Music has always been a part of cinema, long before dialogue in films. In the early turn of the century, silent films were set to musical scores. Over time, the soundtrack of a film has evolved into something more. Yes, scores are still used, original songs are used, and previously recorded songs are also used to help accent and improve certain scenes of a film. A great soundtrack can help make a movie. A great use of music in film can make a bad movie watchable, a watchable movie good, and a good movie great. The best use of songs in film leaves the watcher immediately thinking of that particular scene in which a song was used years later when they happen upon that song on their playlist or stereo. On today's episode, the one and only Dixie Combs and myself count down our 10 favorite movie soundtracks. Yes, there are clowns to the left of you and jokers to the right. And we are stuck in the middle with you. Because this is That One Show, Season 2, Episode 10, Top 10 Soundtracks. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling something right I'm so scared because oh. I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you And I'm wondering how it is I it's so hard to keep this smile from my face. Thanks and Tony, I'm all over the place. Clowns to the left Welcome to That One Show, Season 2, Episode 10, Top 10 Movie Soundtracks. And if you are a subscriber on my Patreon page, you know that on Tier 2, $10 a month, you get to pick one episode theme per season. And this episode's theme was chosen by Harold Combs. Shout out to Harold. Thank you for all the support. And joining me on today's episode, making her grand return to the show, the one and only Dixie Combs. How are you today, Dixie? I'm good, Brian. Thanks for having me again. So we are going to count down our 10 favorite movie soundtracks of all time today. And a movie soundtrack can be one of a few things. It could be a compilation of previously recorded songs used in specific scenes of the movie, all original songs, or all instrumental scores. And it's hard to separate the movie from the soundtrack because a really good soundtrack can make a bad movie watchable, a watchable movie good, and a good movie great. <laughs> so I'm sure that we will, along the way, not just talk about some of our favorite soundtracks, but some of our fam- favorite movies as well. So how... Well, how did you go about compiling your list? Did you think of movies you like first and then go from there? Or did you think of soundtracks that you like first and then go from there? 
of course I had to start with movies first and then I had to narrow down songs. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, talk about the 10 soundtracks we've chosen, talk about why we picked them, the movies, you know, that they represent a little, some songs found on that, and then we're going to actually play one specific song for soundtrack. So we'll take a very brief break today, and we will apologize in advance if you hear any background noise. We are quarantined into the house, and we have two cats and two dogs, and they tend to get rowdy from time to time. So if you hear them in the background, try to ignore it. We'll take a very brief back break, and we'll get straight into our top 10 favorite movie soundtracks of all time here on that one show with Brian Combs with special guest host Dixie Combs. Yes. Okay, we will let you kick things off with your number 10 soundtrack. What is it, Dixie? Well, that was a quick little jump in there. All right. Uh, number 10 for me is Footloose. Footloose, starring Kevin Bacon. Classic. Yes. Okay, so what do you like about not just the soundtrack, but maybe this movie as well? Well, of course, I watched this when I was a child, and I loved it that all the world's problems were solved with dancing, and somehow dancing was outlawed. It's just even though it was in the 80s, <laughs> just <laughs> this town decided they wanted to outlaw dancing. And so you had your hero that come, the bad boy, and that hero came with a really good soundtrack. I have never seen this film. Oh, my God. How? How is that possible? It just is not something that interests me. Well, you need, you will be refreshed if you watch it. I'll be something. <laughs> it's Kevin Bacon. I understand. Oh, my goodness. Is Kevin Bacon a good actor? I don't know. That's really the only movie I've ever seen him in. No, that's false. We just watched a horrible movie he was in the other oh, night. Oh, yeah. He was that. Be Them. That, yes. Oh, that movie was terrible. Yeah. So. Uh, you never seen Tremors? Oh, yeah. I forgot about him being in that. Sorry. And he, uh, you know who else was in Tremors? Who? Reba McIntyre. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> and she doesn't get eaten by one of the Tremors. Daggummit. <laughs> How can you always end up talking about Reba? <laughs> Well, you know, there's a, a game called Six Degrees of Separation that you can connect any actor to Kevin Bacon. Maybe it should be Reba McIntyre instead. Yeah, no, I don't want to play that game either. But let's get back to the Footloose soundtrack. Yes, please. What's, what's some songs you like on this particular soundtrack? Well, of course you like Footloose when it comes on. But now my favorite one I've actually got on my running playlist is Let's Hear It for the Boys. <laughs> So is that what we're going to play today to represent? I, I hope so, yes. We need to share this with the masses. Let's hear it for the boys. Who sings that, do you know? I have no idea. You, you, don't, you don't care nope. either, do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let's hear it for them. Right. Here, here we go. And maybe he don't dress fine, but I don't really Sure. Oh, 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 let's hear it for the boy. 
I'll be interested in knowing if and how many of the same soundtracks we've chosen because very rarely when we do one of these shows do we pick anything the same. I think we had one Avent Brothers song the same, uh, and that was pretty much about it when we done that episode. But uh, most uh, uh, about any movie you've ever seen, you probably more than likely watch with me because you didn't watch a lot of movies until you and I started dating all those years ago. That's so. True. We may have a few of the same ones tonight, but I'll go ahead with my number 10 from 2005, Hustle and Flow. <laughs> and I'll just say about this movie, A, I've never been more shocked to like a movie exactly. than I was when I watched Hustle and Flow. I rented it from the movie warehouse in Pikeville, Kentucky, way back in 2005. It stars Terrence Howard as a, well, a pimp. <laughs> uh it's also got anthony anderson in it who comes along to help him try to make an album and they, they were so poor that they usually they made a homemade studio and soundproofed it with cartons from mcdonald's drink containers and he had a prostitute that lived with him that was very big and pregnant and he brought her in to sing the hook on a song called it's hard out here for a pimp. Hey, that worked for the Rolling Stones. Yes, and she did. she sat down. It's played. She was played by Taji P. Henderson, and that song is actually performed by the Three Six Mafia, and they won the Academy Award for Best Original Song at the Oscars this year, and that is it. One of, if not my favorite. Academy Award moment because they went insane. You could still hear them screaming and partying backstage while the next award was being given out. And just to hear the words and the Oscar goes to, it's hard out here for a pimp, <laughs> brought a smile to my face. So Dixie, I know you like this movie as well, right? I, I do, Brian. And I actually deleted my list because I do it on my phone and, and my need to delete stuff i accidentally deleted it along with some shopping lists so i had to go back hustle and flow and this song was on my original list but it did not make my second typing cut so mm. i'm glad you picked it though so without further ado and if you've never seen this movie it is directed by the great craig brewer i highly recommend you check it out it's a wonderful movie and one of my favorite soundtracks and here he is, Three Six Mafia from Hustle and Flow with the Academy Award winning song, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. You know it's hard out here for a pimp when he's trying to get this money for the print. But a Cadillac and gas money spent cause a whole lot of bitches jump the shit. I'm trying to get rich before I leave a body here. I'm trying to have things, but it's hard for a pimp. So I'm praying and I'm hoping to God I 
Okay, we are back. I will start us out with number nine. All right, do it. From 1994, Reality Bites, directed by Ben Stiller, starring Ben Stiller, Ethan Hawke, and Winona Ryder. And what this movie is about, and this is actually, I just watched this movie for the first time about three weeks ago, and I really liked the movie but loved the soundtrack even more. Um, it's uh, set in the present day in which it was made, which is the mid-90s. It follows two recent college graduates, Winona Ryder, who plays Lelena, and Ethan Hawke, who plays her best friend, Troy. And it's obvious that they have feelings for each other, but have never acted upon it. A love triangle uh, comes about when Lelena starts dating Michael, who is played by the director, Ben Stiller. And it's got some great music on it. Uh, Baby, I Love Your Way, Peter Frampton. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. with Turnip Farm, The Knack with My Sharona, uh, a song near and dear to your heart, which was actually the breakout for this song and artist, Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Just terribly good. But in the climax of the film, spoiler alert, when Leona and Troy finally get together, uh, the montage leading up to that is set to All I Want Is You by one of my favorite bands of all time, U2, and that will be the song that we play to represent Reality Bites. And this is one I don't think you've ever watched, is it, Dixie? Um, I think I was in the room when you were watching this. But you paid no attention. I paid zero attention, and I got up and left halfway through and did chores. <laughs> uh, which is usually about how it goes. <laughs> yes. And uh, so here he is from Reality Bites, U2 with All I Want Is You. And Dixie, I'm very interested in seeing what you have for us for your number nine favorite movie soundtrack of all time. Well, um, it has nothing to do with 90s teenage drama. It is definitely teenage drama in the form of Little Mermaid. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? <laughs> what did you say? I could go all day. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> All right. So let's talk a little bit about the Little Mermaid, and this is, and I have seen the Little Mermaid on several occasions. Uh, what do you like about not just the soundtrack, but the film itself? Well, besides it being in a VHS box, which was beautifully Disney decorated, and you could stack them amongst all your other Disney boxes of VHS tapes. No, what what was the greatest? Because it didn't come in like just a little cardboard thing, like a lot this, of VHSs. It like was like a, a like Cadillac. a clamshell. It was like a casket. Uh, yes, it was, it was like a big clamshell. <laughs> yes, and so you stack those bad boys up. I dust them off. I had Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Lion King, 
uh, uh, just so much great stuff. But with that came the ability to sing every word of every song. Now it's got it's got a lot of great songs on it. Uh, um, one of my favorites is uh, is, is being or not because you know I always root for the villain Ursula, her big breakout yes. song. And I almost picked that yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. So. Uh, is it your favorite animated Disney film? Not counting Pixar, but actually hand-drawn uh, Disney animation. It's just so pretty, probably. Like, I, I don't pick favorites like you do usually, but I, I do like it above the rest. Well, here, you know, it's got it's got a lot of the tropes that almost all of them, uh, the Disney movies from basically the 1930s all the way up until modern day had, in which the female... Most more often than not, a princess falls in love with a fellow within just a matter of minutes of seeing him. Yes. Now, <laughs> <It's terrible. laughs> in this instance, she's like 13. Yes. So, I mean, and 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 princess, is it Eric? Eric, he's already like captain of a ship. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got to be in his mid to late 20s, if not 30s. Yep, pedophile. So, I mean, you know, I understand that, you know, it's a fantasy universe in the olden days because you've got, you know, singing fish and whatnot and they had singing fish in the olden days. Well, I said, you know, I said a fantasy universe, but gotcha. I'm pretty sure that statutory rape applies in all yes. <laughs> cultures, universes, and uh, settings. That actually brings me to one really perverted, <laughs> one really perverted aquatic life that's encouraging them to kiss on a boat, and that brings me around to my favorite song of the whole show is "Kiss the Girl." That's probably so Sebastian's egging it on there. <laughs> let's let's talk about this a minute. So Sebastian, now not that there's anything wrong with it. He, Sebastian's gay, right? He is the best gay and most creative aquatic creature ever. Yeah, it has to be. And I love him. Yeah. So here is, I guess, Sebastian. <laughs> I guess with a with a choir of other various sea creatures with yep. "Kiss the Girl" from The Little Mermaid. There you see her Sitting there across the way She don't got a lot to say But there's something about her And you don't know why But you're dying to try You wanna kiss the girl Yes, you want her Look at her, you know you do Possible she wants you to. There is one way to ask her. It don't take a word, not a single word. Go on and kiss the girl. Sing with me now. Sha la 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 by your mind. Look at the boy too shy. Ain't gonna kiss the girl. Sha la 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 la. Ain't that sad? Ain't it a shame too bad? You gonna miss. And we are back, and we'll go ahead right back to Dixie with her number eight favorite movie soundtrack of all time. All right. So, as you know, I deleted my list. And yes. I've had to retype it. And when I retyped it, this was not on my new list. But then, after hearing you bark about how this should be on my list, it is now back on my list. So, uh, The Labyrinth. Which is your favorite movie of all time? It is one of my favorites. Yes. I think it is your favorite. Yes, 
We watch it every Mother's Day. Yes. Uh, you've got some Labyrinth I have so much merchandise. It's like in this household, whenever you like something, Brian just ensures that you have every piece of merchandise that there is to go along with that that hobby or something that you like. So, The Labyrinth, obviously, starring the one and only David Bowie yes. as the Goblin King and Jennifer Connelly as uh, Sarah. Sarah, and she's trying to get her brother, brother baby back uh, by Sorry. navigating the maze, a.k.a. The Labyrinth, and rescuing him from the Goblin King. So, what do you like about this soundtrack? Well, first off, about just the movie and the motion picture, if you've ever, if you've never seen The Labyrinth, please, if you are nerdy in the least, you've got to watch this movie. It has, it's beautiful. It has so many art references. David Bowie actually wrote and he, he created the music for this movie. And while I don't necessarily like David Bowie as like the rock star that he is that other people know him as i truly love him for this movie we got we got to mention that this movie was made by the the great jim henson yes who is the greatest puppeteer of all time it's not even close yes uh and, and this uh was one of the few movies he actually directed and didn't it bomb when it first came out almost all of his movies outside of the muppets bombed yeah the dark crystal bombed this this is another one of those ones where I had the box. It had the box sleeve for the VHS, and it was absolutely worn out. And I used to just stare at the cover because everything about it is just so beautiful. And I I hated the Goblin King when I was little, hated him. I was Team Sarah all the way. But the older I got, the more I realized that Sarah is actually a little spoiled brat, and I kind of can't stand her. Love Jennifer Conley. She is beautiful. But then you started kind of rooting for the Goblin King. He's alone in this maze. And there's one part of the movie where he you kind of see a soft spot. So you're like, oh, okay, maybe David Bowie is not that evil. And that is when the song, um, As the World Falls Down, plays. They're like in a crystal ball, and it's just beautiful. It's artsy. And then you're like, oh, the Goblin King's really nice. But he, it still turns out to not be so good. But I, I would argue that Sarah's the true villain of the film. I, I agree. She's terrible. She literally hates her brother. She is supposed to be babysitting him, pays no attention. Pawns him off on goblins. Just just releases him <laughs> to goblins so she can just be, you know, do what she She's wants so to do. She's so dramatic. And, and I wanted to be her so bad when I was little. Let's get down to it. When she gets there. That baby's having a hell of a time with the yes, Goblin King. He's sure dancing. Is. He's getting thrown up in the air. Games being played. He's giggling. He's liking it. Yeah. He's probably liking it better. And then than she this... takes him back away. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think that the Goblin King's the actual villain. I think nope. he's the hero of this film. Yes. <laughs> Even though he's going to eventually turn Toby into a goblin, that's okay. I think Toby would be perfectly content in that scenario. But anyway, as the world falls down, is beautiful. And are you going to play it for us? Yep, we'll go ahead and play it right now. All right, thanks. Oh, 
We are back. It is time for my eighth favorite movie soundtrack of all time. It is from Dazed and Confused back in 1993, directed by Richard Linklater, starring a who's who of future stars, Parker Posey, Ben Affleck, Milo Djokovic, Matthew McConaughey, Joey Laurie Adams, and the one and only Cole Hauser, a.k.a. Rip, Rip. from Yellowstone. <laughs> And who knew Rip was a ginger? <laughs> no, he was a big old bully in Days and Confused. The, the gist for men that they use on set to dye his beard and hair black should win an award just it by should. itself. It should, yeah. But back to Dazed and Confused, it is probably not just a great soundtrack, but it very well may, may just be a greatest compilation of 70s rock and roll that has ever been put out. Alice Cooper, The Runaways, Black Sabbath, Fog Hat, and of course, the one and only Kiss, which is the song I will be playing in a minute to represent this movie and soundtrack. It plays over the montage leading up to the big party out in the woods at the climax of the film. I know you have watched this movie. I know you like this movie and soundtrack. What would you like to add about either of those, Dixie? Well, I'd just like to go ahead and just chop right into this and say that this is my number seven. So we may be able to just go ahead and shoot two songs from the soundtrack, if you would. But uh, I never really watched this movie until you made me sit down and watch it. And it took like two watches before I really appreciated it. But the soundtrack hit immediately, even though the concepts didn't. Well... Let's let's hold your song for just a second. So don't don't spoil it yet. Huh. I'm, I'm guessing it's not Kiss because you hate it Kiss. Is, I do not hate Kiss. Why do people keep saying I hate Kiss? I hate Beth. I hate the song Beth. Why do I hate Kiss? Because I hate that song. I love other Kiss songs. Name, I hate. My, let's, let's hear them. Which God song? gave rock and roll to you. All right. Uh, Oh, man, don't put me on the spot. I don't know the names of things. Don't I let just her lie. I tell you, folks, she Beth, hates Kiss. <laughs> Beth is terrible. I hate that song. I hate his voice. I hate when people say I should like that song. I do not like Beth. I like Kiss. And I'm going to punch the next person that says that I don't like Kiss. Okay. But the, you do hate Hard Luck Woman, too, though, right? Is it sung by that dude that sings Beth? Yes. Yes, I don't like it. Well, his he, voice is awful. Lucky for you, he's no longer in the band. Oh, well, good. His name was Peter Chris. Yeah. And well, Beth's probably arguably their biggest hit. And that's just, and I guess, just go ahead and lump me in there that I hate Kiss. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to the Knights and Satan service since I was little. <laughs> All right. So we'll get back on track. We'll play <laughs> Kiss. Rock and Roll All Night from Dazed and Confused, which is my eighth favorite soundtrack. And it happens to be Dixie's next pick at number seven. And we'll come back and let her tell what song she picked from it and why. There we go. You show us everything you've got. You keep on dancing now the room gets hot You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy You say you wanna go for a spin The party's just begun, we'll let you in You drive us wild, we'll drive you crazy You keep on shouting, you keep on shouting 
All right, that was Kiss with Rock and Roll All Night from my eighth favorite soundtrack, Days to Confuse, which happens to be Dixie's next pick at number seven. So what song did you pick? And you couldn't go wrong with any of these songs. It's solid from top to bottom, full of 70s classics. But which one did you pick? So you're saying my, my choice is going to be awesome no matter what? <laughs> well, I, I, every song on the soundtrack is awesome. It so. Is. Unless you pick something that actually ain't even on the soundtrack, which is very possible, by the way, then yes, it's going to be awesome. What is Lowrider on the soundtrack? Pog Hat is definitely on the soundtrack. Yes, well, then that's it. I, I did it. I so, managed to do it. So why did you pick that one particularly? I don't know, because when you hear Lowrider come on, you see that visual of them all rolling in. <laughs> and it's just, it, there it is. So this is your number seven favorite soundtrack, Dazed and Confused, with Lowrider. Time for my number seven favorite soundtrack from 2010, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, directed by the great Edgar Wright. It is a film based on the graphic novel of the same name by Brian O'Malley. It is a cult classic, uh, probably one of my 50 favorite films of all time, if I had to rank my top 50. And obviously, it's one of my 10 favorite soundtracks of all time. Now, in this, have you seen this movie? I don't think so. No, I, I've never made you watch this one because I know you'll hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I was, I was one of the few people to see it opening weekend in theaters because it bombed. But it stars Michael Sarah, Sarah as Scott Pilgrim, who's in a band called Sex Bob Bomb. <laughs> and uh, they have a song featured on the soundtrack called We Are Sex Bob Bomb. Uh, but it's also got the Black Lips on there. It's got T-Rex, the Rolling Stones with Under My Thumb. Heard of them. You've heard of the Rolling Stones? <laughs> Not so much T-Rex, no. Uh, and uh, the song I'm actually going to play is by Frank Black, who is the lead singer of the Pixies. But it is a song he put out on one of his solo albums called I heard Ramona sing, and it is used in the film because Scott Pilgrim falls in love with a girl named Ramona, and in order to win her over, he has to video game style fight every one of her ex-boyfriends. Yes, I just yawned. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I won't bore you all any further describing <laughs> this film. If you've not seen it, please, if you have an open mind and like really geeky, nerdy type 
stuff. Watch a labyrinth, not this. You will like this. And without further ado, here is Frank Black from Scott Pilgrim versus the World back in 2010 with I Heard Ramona Sing. Dixie, we are down to our number six pick, the last pick from each of us before we take a brief break and get into the top five. So what is your sixth favorite movie soundtrack of all time, one that barely didn't make your top five? Napoleon Dynamite. Awesome. <laughs> this was on my long list. And okay. yes, I had a long list, and it was actually, it almost made the top ten. Uh, I'll be interested in seeing what song you pick from. It's got some doozies. It, it sure does. But before we get into this, you all, anybody listening, <laughs> I can guarantee you, you didn't see this film in the theater. Dixie and I did midnight at a showing at the Kentucky Theater in downtown Lexington, Kentucky with about three other people. Yes. No one saw this film in the theater. It blew up when it came out on DVD. Yes. So we are one of the handful of people that can honestly say without lying, hey, we saw that in theater before everybody else got on the bandwagon. Brian not only saw it in theater, he also cackled the entire time. Me, on the other hand, I don't even think I broke a smile the first time you, I watched it. You hated it. it. I didn't know. I didn't hate it. I didn't know what to think of it. <laughs> How people quit saying I hate stuff. I hate very few things. I'll let y'all know in my episode, my, get my own episode. But anyway, um, I I took me a minute to watch this movie and to really like it. But meanwhile, Brian, he literally cackled the entire time and thought it was the greatest thing ever. But uh, the soundtrack is great. And when I hear songs come on, I, I know exactly when they're playing in that movie. So the opening credits is set to uh, White Stripes song. Yes, I did. I did like the opening credits when I first saw it. Like when we watched it at midnight, I was like, Hey, this has to be one of the best intros ever to a movie. So I like the opening credits. And I'm going to say tell you that I thought I was going to like the movie because the opening credits was inventive. They, it's, you know, it's set to the white stripes. We're going to be friends. Condiments. Uh, con <laughs> anything that has to do with school notebooks, condiments, you uh, pencils, supplies, everything. Yes. And then the opening scene, Napoleon, just the freaky is, gets on the bus and takes a wrestling figure, which he has a long string tied to, and drops it out the window and lets it drag down the road. While the little kids like look and up to him. <laughs> shocker, when I was little, I did the same damn thing <laughs> all the time with my figures. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so I said, oh, my God, I'm going to love this movie. It was written for you, Brian. 
So what song are you going to be choosing from Napoleon Dynamite, Dixie? Well, Brian, you have played this song actually several times on your show by uh, and or referred to it. And the artist that sings it, covered it, uh, Miss Brandy Carlisle. However, I'm going back to the original, which was played in this movie, uh, Forever Young. Bye. Uh, I don't know. Alphaville. Alphaville, yeah. <laughs> so it's played during the dance. Yes. 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 When, when they're all awkward dancing. When they are awkward dancing. Poor Napoleon. He he actually showed a, a tiny bit of emotion during the dance when his date left him. So, yeah, the date he, yeah. Anyway, you got to watch. If you've never watched the movie, I'm sure everybody has seen it by now. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick because this is one of the most quotable movies in history. If you have to pick your favorite quote, first one comes to your mind from Napoleon Dynamite. The one I quote the most? Ah, can I pick favorite? two? Can yeah, I that's fine. Two? That's fine. Okay, fix yourself a dang quesadilla or uh, your mom goes to college. <laughs> which which is brilliant. I think my favorite quote is when he <clears throat> tried to draw a picture of the girl he wanted to take to prom, <laughs> and it was horrible. And he said he spent like eight hours just shading the upper lip. And it was terrible. <clears throat> Excuse me. But anyway, here is Alphaville with Forever Young from Napoleon Dynamite. This is the final pick before we get into the halfway point and a brief break. My number six is from 1985, Rocky IV. So this is unapologetically my favorite Rocky film. And it, I would say out of the films I've watched the most in my life, it has to be in the top six or seven. If I'm flipping through the channels and it is on, I will always just stay right there and watch it. It is about 86 minutes long, and it's pretty much all montages. <laughs> now, the Rocket movies have always done a damn good montage, but this one took it to the next level. It's got, you know, montages set to Eye of the Tiger, uh, Living in America by the late, great James Brown. No easy way out, but the greatest montage is the not the first, but the second training montage in Siberia where it flashes between Ivan Drago, the villain who had earlier killed Apollo Creed, Rocky's best friend, and the man himself, Rocky Balboa. Now, Drago is training with steroids and the most high-tech scientific equipment and scientists available. 
Which was a treadmill. <laughs> and uh, Well, they were shooting him full of steroids, too. Yes. And Rocky is out in a shack in the middle of winter in Siberia in 30 below degree weather, chopping wood, pulling ho- horse carriages full of people, doing sit-ups from pillars in the roof, and also outrunning Russian spies wearing nothing but a bomber jacket in 30 degree below zero weather and climbing a mountain in Siberia where he shouts from the top of his lungs, Drago, all the while, while Hearts on Fire by John Cafferty plays, and you knew at that moment that Rocky was about to whip that Russian's ass. Well, actually, you knew from the moment in which you stirred him down the ring while holding poor old Apollo's dying corpse. But anyway, what I know you, I have made you watch this movie dozens of times. Yes. Do you have anything to add about Rocky Four or Hearts on Fire? Not a thing. You did a wonderful job describing that. You also almost made it sound exciting. So, good job. So, here is John Cafferty with Hearts on Fire from the best and most entertaining Rocky film, Rocky Four. Go whoop that Russian. And then we'll take a brief break. cream of the crop our five favorite movie soundtracks of all time hopefully you all have enjoyed it so far top five so without further ado dixie what is your fifth favorite movie soundtrack of all time the one and only old school <laughs> okay another film we saw together in the theater opening yes. weekend with a full crowd unlike napoleon dynamite yes. But, but it's still one of those movies that a lot of people that I talk to around here have not seen. And when they watch it, they're like, this is terrible. And I wish I had. I, I, and that I, was my sister's reaction, yeah. actually, whenever she and, watched it. And I'll say that we were probably, I'd say that about 70% of the crowd was did not like it. We, we were the right we, demographic. We, we were in the 30% that loved it yes. in, the th- in the crowd we were in opening weekend when we saw it. But yes, it has an awesome soundtrack. It does. Let's talk a little bit about it. The first song that comes to mind, obviously, is uh, when Frank the Tank is getting married oh, and the band no. is hired. <clears throat> it's a new take on Total Eclipse of the Heart. And it's my favorite and like, it's just individual the, the moment of the movie. Things. It's the little things in that movie that just really just just crack you up. And are we bad parents for showing uh, this to our daughter when she was 13? Yes. Nah. Yes. Nah, my dad showed me any and everything. I rated our movie going starting at the age of six. I turned out okay. Yeah. At least we made our daughter wait till she was 13. <laughs> but yeah. 
So, of course, we had to, like, skip on through the uh, hungry like a wolf scene. <laughs> <laughs> With Andy Dick. Yes. Well, he was definitely hungry for something. Yes. And we just had to skip right through that. So It wasn't any better sped up. <laughs> That's what's uh, sad. White Snake's featured on here. Yes. Uh, here Master of again. Puppets. The Master of Puppets Everybody's is Everybody's going crazy about Master of uh, well, Puppets. Before Stranger Things did it. Yes. Hey, uh, old, old did school it. did it. Snoop Dogg's actually on here and in the movie. Yes. Uh, so it does have a great soundtrack, but which song have you picked? I'm picking Sound of Silence. I'm picking Sound of Silence. By Simon and Garfunkel. Yes. Of all the songs in that, I've, I'm picking that. And um, it's what sings that there? Tell, that is tell after he gets listeners. shot in the neck by a, tranquilla a tranquilizer dart. Yeah. And um, the a big dramatic scene he falls into the pool and this song is just playing and yeah so so what's happening here is frank the tank is at a child's birthday party he's already drunk because his woman's left him and sean william scott is playing like a animal handler who has brought a petting zoo there and he has some tranquilizers for elephants he said he's got them in case any of those little efforts get out of line, and he talks about a little pony that it would probably kill he actually yanks it like yes it's getting out of line yeah. and uh he accidentally shoots Frank right in the neck with it, and he uh, hallucinates and falls into the pool. Yes. Well, all the while, while this song is playing, here is Simon and Garfunkel with The Sound of Silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turn my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stared by the flash of a neon light Okay, so <clears throat> I made a rule for myself when compiling this list that I would not choose more than one soundtrack for any given director. And the two that caused me the most difficulty was Quentin Tarantino, who we'll get to later, and Cameron Crowe, who we will talk about now. Now, a lot of people that know me probably automatically assumed that I would have singles, uh, aka the movie about grunge on here somewhere, but there is a soundtrack Cameron Crowe put out that I like a little bit better. So that was from 2000, Almost Famous, which is a fictional slash autobiographical film because when Cameron Crowe was a teenager, he went on tour to write about Led Zeppelin with Rolling Stone. And in the movie, William Miller, played by Patrick Fugit, covers the fictional band Stillwater which is made up partly by Billy Kudrup playing guitar as Russell and Jason Lee. And they uh, have a song called Fever Dog on the soundtrack, but it's also 
uh, features a lot of great music from the era. Every picture tells the story by Rod Stewart. Leonard Skinner's on there with Simple Man. But I think one of the greatest scenes set to a song in film history is when the band, as well as their crew and followers, uh, hanger-ons, are on a tour bus after a fight, and it's really awkward. And over the bus's radio, Elton John's Tiny Dancer starts playing. Mm -hmm. And slowly but surely, each and every person starts singing along until they're all, before the end of the song, smiling and the ice is broken. And for that brief moment, at least, they are all happy and like one another again. Now, I do know you've at least watched this movie one time because I made you watch it when we were in college. Yep. Do, do you remember anything about this movie? No, I, <laughs> I remember this song. Somehow it has gotten on my running playlist. I think Brian has been infiltrating my running playlist because it came on today and I actually listened to it. Um, I, it would have been nice to have heard that song at the Elton John concert that we'd went to. Well, let's not go around about but that. But that you've already heard our rant about that if you listen to prior episodes. But. No, that, that was only on Patreon. Oh, so. Okay. All five of you who paid the five bucks a month for the bonus episodes, you know you've heard about, that. You know all about the Elton John concert. But anyway, no, I have no opinion on that movie. So here is a from a movie that Dixie has seen, and like almost all movies she's seen. I was probably thinking about something else. She does not have an opinion on, nor remembers very much from. <laughs> here is Elton John from Almost Famous with Tiny Dancer. Hold me closer, Tiny Dancer. What is your fourth favorite soundtrack of all time? Number four. We actually just, you actually just watched this movie for the first time a couple of days ago. And you actually have not quit talking about it since. So I think you're a tiny bit obsessed with it right now, Brian. But anyway, uh, it's got to be Dirty Dancing. So yeah, uh, I, you know, if you've noticed that Dixie and I are sounding a little funny on here and me more so than I normally sound. All the hacking. Uh, we we have been quarantined for a few days with COVID. It finally got us. Oh. And we've watched several movies together. And I finally broke down and watched Dirty Dancing. And my surprise, I liked it. He did. As long as you don't think about it too much. You, you can't think about it. <laughs> Do not think about it. But, I mean, you can't. You have to enjoy it for what it is. You, number one, you can't deny the charisma of Patrick Swayze He's in awesome. that. He was the man. Um, my favorite Swayze movie will always be Roadhouse, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Yes. 
Please don't make me watch Jennifer Grey uh, was fabulous in it. Yes. They had a great chemistry because in real life they hated each other yep. during the entire film. That's usually how it goes. Uh, the soundtrack, you know, the movie's set in the 60s, and the soundtrack is a blend of 60s classic and 80s songs inexplicably. <laughs> but somehow, against all logic, that works. Yes. They didn't think about it too much when they were putting this So Swayze together. himself sings a song called She's Like the Wind it's on There. It's great, and do not say it's terrible. And, and I, I, I've i got a rule where I try not to speak ill of the dead, so I won't say anything about Thank that you. particular song. Thank you. But it's got, like I said, some great 60s songs. Hey, Baby, among others. Uh, you know, obviously the one that everybody remembers uh, is the climax, the climax at the, the end. The Lift. The Lift, which is I've Had the Time of My Life. Uh but there's several songs that you could pick to represent this movie and album. So which one did you choose, Dixie? I picked the intro song. Because when you hear the first couple chords of that song, you're like, I'm going to watch Dirty Dancing. And we were talking about VHS covers. Well, I was talking about VHS covers. Another one of these movies, my real mother had this on VHS and... The box had pictures from the movie, everything about it. It was worn out. We watched this movie so many times. I got to add one more thing about this movie. My favorite scene in the whole movie, and I love, and it's, it, I was entertained by this movie. I've got nothing really it's bad to say time. about it, but there is such a thing in some films as unintentional comedy, which is a scene that is supposed to be played for dramatic purposes, but it is so absurd that it is funny. So Swayze's character, Johnny, he has locked himself out of his car, which is an awesome car, a 57 yes. Chevy. And instead of trying to, uh, you know, uh, pick, pick the lock, lock or whatever, he just... Or just walk. He just picks up a resort. He just picks up a rock and smashes his damn window no, out. No, not a rock. No. He what was kicks it? The, he kicks like the little right. pole out of the ground all dramatically and mad and then hits it. So he rips up a concrete pole, which is humanly impossible, <laughs> and uses it to bash the window out of his 57 Chevy. And then... Uh, I'm pretty sure he, even though he doesn't have his keys, he just gets in and, and starts it, it with yeah. his keys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can't think about that kind of thing. You just, you gotta let it go. But, but it, <laughs> <laughs> when you hear the song, be my baby, you're no, you know that you're about to just watch awesomeness. And here he is be my baby. Okay, so my number four song is from a Marvel movie. It is from a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh. The only question is, is it volume one or volume two? 
We may have something in common. And it is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Two. Obviously, James Gunn can put together a heck of a cast, a entertaining movie, and he's one of the best <laughs> of the best of compiling a soundtrack. Now, Volume 2, obviously, just like the first one, stars Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, Peter Quill. Uh, his love interest, and I'm probably butchering her name, Zoe Salomon as Gamora, ex-WWF superstar Dave Batista as Drac, so forth and so on. But the one I would like to focus on for this purposes is my man, Michael Rooker, as Yondu. Yondu. Now, this is Yondu's movie. Spoiler alert. If you've not seen this, uh, just skip forward through a couple, two or three minutes. Yondu sacrifices himself in this movie. You always, you love a good sacrifice. If there's one thing I love in a movie, it is someone sacrificing himself. You start rooting for a sacrifice. I like, love it. It gets me every in. time. A minute in, you're like, wonder if anybody's going to sacrifice. I do. I do. I love it. I, <laughs> it's one of the tropes in a movie that gets me every time. But Yondu basically took Peter Quill uh, when he was an infant from his mom dying with cancer to deliver to Quill's dad, who in this movie turns out to be a literally a actual planet mm-hmm. played by Kurt Russell. <laughs> and he knew that this his dad was, in his words, an asshole. So he kept him for himself. And obviously, Kurt Russell is the villain of this film, and they're fighting him. And Yondu sacrifices himself for Quill. And before he does that, he says... I might not have been your father, Peter, but I was your daddy. And I ain't going to lie, I got choked up. Yondu sacrificed himself. But before he did that, his crew mutinied him against him mm-hmm. and put him in a holding cell. And he was in there with Rocket, the raccoon, and they sent Baby Groot to get Yondu's fin that he wears on top of his head from a lockbox so he could control his mm-hmm. arrow in which he whistles and kills people with. And I, if you've not seen this, this whole thing <clears throat> probably sounds absolutely absurd That's to you. Absurd. Yes. But uh, before I get to that particular scene mm-hmm. and song, I will say that there's the, from top to bottom, you've got ELO on there with Mr. Blue Sky, Fleetwood Mac, The Chain, Southern Nights by the late great Glenn Campbell, uh, Cat Stevens at the end with Father and Son, which Peter listened to and cries right after he. But, sends Yondu out to float in space for a space barrel. But once Yondu gets his weapons back, there is a montage of him and Rocket slow walking and killing all the villains set to come a little bit closer by Jay and the (laughs) Americans. I know you love this movie, so do you want to add anything about it? Now, movie-wise, I prefer Garlean's one to this. But soundtrack-wise, I prefer Guardians 2. But do you have anything to add about Guardians 2? No. I mean, most of the time when I walk into a sequel, it's it's like, eh, it's not going to be as good as the first one. But this one's really, really good. And I liked it just about as much as I liked the first one. So here is from Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, Jay and the Americans with Come a Little Bit Closer. In a little cafe, just the other side of the border. She was just sitting there giving me looks that make my mouth water. So I started walking her way. She belonged. 
gratitude to dance in my own she felt so inviting Okay, Dixie, without further ado, what is your third favorite movie soundtrack of all time? Third favorite movie soundtrack of all time is Garden State. That was literally the last one I cut from my list. I had it, and it barely, barely well, a good thing I missed through. out on the top ten. But I did it knowing more likely it would be in your <laughs> ten. Yes. Because this is one of your favorite films and favorite soundtracks. It is such a good soundtrack. You can literally put it in and just listen to the whole. Absolutely. Like, just listen to the whole it's CD. It's got some Iron and Wine. It's got some Shins. And uh, for those that don't know the movie, because it's not a real well-known movie, uh, Zach Braff goes back to his hometown in New Jersey, a.k.a. Garden State, to his mom's funeral and uh, in, Socks around. in therapy meets a girl, and they are very both weird because, uh -huh. hey, well, they're in therapy when they meet, uh -huh. and, they, and they have a romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some beautiful songs on it. And you used to teach a yoga class. And I would play this the soundtrack, the soundtrack front to back. Yeah, yeah I remember uh -huh. that. So let's, uh, what do you have to add about the movie? I just love it. I love Natalie Portman's character. I'm not a big fan of her in other movies, but I love her in this movie. And, uh, of course, Zach Braff, you got to see a serious side of him after him being on Scrubs. Yes. So let me ask you a question. So... His character is very serious. Mm -hmm. Hers is very goofy. Yes. Does that remind you of anyone? It does remind me of a real life romance. Yes. Of, of who? Of ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And this is, if you've ever went away to college and you have to come back home, especially for something as heartbreaking as a funeral, you kind of realize that the people that you left in that town, there's a reason why you left that town. And so it's kind of like Zach's character um, just reaffirming that his town is crazy and he is glad to kind of get out of there. And the one little jewel that he found was Natalie Portman's character. Yes. So uh, what song do you have? Is it the Shins? Is it, uh, it is Coldplay? Shins. It is not Coldplay. Okay, who is it? No, and I know I broke one of your rules for your list, but it's not a rule for my list. Um, I want you to play The Only Living Boy in New York. Simon and Garfunkel again? <laughs> yes. If you'd have told me before we started recording that you would have two Simon and Garfunkel songs on here. I can't name any others of their songs. Mrs. Robinson. Oh, yeah, that. Which my is bad. from a soundtrack that we're <laughs> probably not even going to talk about The no. Graduate. Nope. All right, so here he is, Simon and Garfunkel, Dixie's number three favorite soundtrack of all time, Garden State, with yes. the only living boy in New York. Yes. Get your plane right on time. I know your part will go fine. down to Mexico. I 
Okay, so earlier I did uh, give a little bit of preview that I would be including a soundtrack from a Quentin Tarantino film. How could you choose just one? Well, I, I just, I didn't want to, you know, we only have room for 10 and I could have actually had probably three of his on here. You could probably do a whole four. episode yeah. about songs for yeah. Quentin Tarantino films. I mean, he uses music probably better than any other director. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, you know, his debut film, Reservoir Dogs. Uh, maybe the most famous scene in cinema history set to a song uh, when, you know, the cop is getting tortured, uh, lit on fire, ear getting cut off, all two steel wheels stuck in the middle with you. Mm-hmm. Such a cheerful but song. I didn't choose Reservoir Dogs. I didn't choose Pulp Fiction. I almost chose Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is my most recent film. And uh, like all other films, has a killer soundtrack. I chose from 1997, Jackie Brown, okay. which is a lot of people's least favorite Quentin Tarantino film, but not mine. Uh, it's actually probably my third or fourth favorite of his, but my favorite soundtrack. It stars the great Pam Greer, Bridget Fonda, Robert Forster, and probably my favorite role of his of all time, Robert De Niro, Samuel Jackson, Michael Keaton. Uh, oh, as always, just a fantastic cast that tarantino has assembled uh it's got johnny cash on there tennessee stud the grassroots with midnight confessions <laughs> but the opening scene in the film uh jackie brown played by pam greer is basically walking through an airport because she's a stewardess sit to the great bobby womack song across 110th street it sets the tone for the entire film. It's a throwback to uh, some black station films from the 60s and 70s, as well as great uh, soul and Motown songs from that era. And it's the song I will be playing to represent my lone Tarantino pick and my number three favorite music soundtrack of all time, Jackie Brown. I'm not saying what I did was all right. Trying to break out of the ghetto with a day-to-day fight. Being down so long, getting up to the cross for mine. But I knew there was a better way of life, and I was just trying to find. You don't know what you do until you put under pressure. Cross 110th Street is a hell of a tester. Across 110th Street. all right so dixie what is your almost number one second favorite movie soundtrack of all time um oh brother where art thou Ugh. all right 
hold my thoughts on that for a minute. <laughs> you have to. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I watched this film for the first time, not with you. Thank you very much. It was with Mr. Joel Van Hoos, who is a college buddy of mine. Joel, if you listen to this podcast, shout out. Um, he was so gung-ho about this movie. He, I actually think I watched it like twice with him because he loved it so much and he would quote it. And it was another one of those kind of like uh, I had to watch it a few times before I really even cracked the first smile. But it's a great movie, and the soundtrack, it never quits. It's got an awesome soundtrack. I mean, of all uh, traditional gospel and bluegrass and folk songs, mainly, Stanley Brothers, Ralph Stanley by himself, Gillian Welch, Allison Krauss has got a few on there. list goes on and on. Uh, Cohen Brothers uh, have made some of my favorite films, Old Brother Wildertail, Big Lebowski. Miller's Crossing, Raising Arizona, list goes on and on. So let's talk about what song you've chose from this, and you couldn't go wrong with any of them, to be honest. Yeah, well, I almost kept, I almost picked Keep on the Sunny Side because I, I grew up in Wayne County, Kentucky, and it's a lot of the same setting as Old Brother Warthow. It's like taking a trip in the past well, when you, you go to Wayne that County. Old brother was sitting in the 30s. Well, I, I, that's how old-fashioned everybody in Wayne County is. So, <laughs> um, anyways, it's like even just ev everything about it just really reminds me of living in that area and the church folk there. So, but this time I actually wanted to go ahead and pick one of the funniest scenes in the movie, I, I think, is uh, the Go to Sleep Little Baby song. Yes. So, basically, that's when... And for those not seen it, uh, and where have you been the last? <laughs> you gotta watch it. I guess you know twenty years, twenty-two years. Oh God! Wow, we're old. Uh, George Clooney, Tim Blake Nelson, and John Turturro are three fugitives on the run, and they're going down the road in a Model T Ford. And John Turturro's character of Pete starts going, telling Everett to pull over, and he hears some women singing, and they've all been in prison for a Sirens. very long time. And they run upon some half-naked, scantily clad, wet women on the riverside that start singing this song and basically enchant them. Yes, they put them in a trance. And they may or may not have turned Pete into a toad while they had him entranced. Yes. But this, go ahead and introduce this song, and I'll hold my thoughts is... <laughs> for a moment on Old Brother and its soundtrack. All right, so play me a little bit of Go to Sleep, Little Baby from Old Brother Wardell. All righty. Go to sleep, you little baby. 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 Your mama's gone away and your daddy's gonna stay. Don't leave nobody but the baby. Go to sleep, you little 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 baby. Everybody's gone in the cotton and the comb. Didn't leave nobody but the baby. Your sweet little baby. Your sweet little baby. Your sweet little baby. Your sweet. Honey and the rock and the sugar don't stop. Gonna bring a bottle to the baby. Don't you weep, pretty baby. Don't you weep, pretty baby. Don't you weep, pretty baby. We are back. 
when we get to my number two, which is from my favorite movie of all time, the movie that I've watched more than any other form of media in my entire lifetime, I'll venture to say I've watched it at least 150 times. I'm, of course, referring to Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, not directed by George Lucas, but directed by Irvin Kershner. But from the purpose of this episode, the soundtrack, like all other Star Wars films, was done by the greatest of all time to do instrumentation on films and film scores, John Williams. <laughs> you get so worked up talking about this. Well, now, listen. You can't even spit it out. You're so listen. excited. Well, I'm for clamp today, too. I mean, I do apologize. <laughs> uh, he's done all Star Wars, Harry Potter's, Indiana Jones, E.T. If you can recognize a Jurassic instrumental Park. part to a movie, he wrote it. He like, did if it. you can recognize it. He's, I mean, it's not even arguable. He's the GOAT when it comes to original film did scores. Did he do Beetlejuice? No, that's Danny Elfman. Oh, okay. If it's Tim Burton, <laughs> with the exception of the Tim Burton films, which are almost all done by Danny Elfman. I gotcha. Formerly of the band Oingo Boingo. <laughs> <laughs> Only you would know that. <laughs> no, I, uh, I can tell you some other people out there know it. Uh, I, Chase Abner knows it. Way to go, Chase. <laughs> but anyway, the reason why I picked this particular film because it introduces us to the Imperial March, a.k.a. Darth Vader's theme which was not used in episode four, New Hope, which is probably the second best of all the Star Wars themes. Uh, right ahead of The Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace, the first prequel, but right below the Star Wars main theme that is played at the beginning of all Star Wars films. I have heard this so many times whether I'm listening to the song itself or I'm watching a Star Wars movie for the bazillionth time, it never ceases to give me chills. The hair on the back of my neck standing up. <laughs> Dixie's laughing, but she knows it's Listen, the truth. Okay, so quick story. I was mowing the grass, and I, I wear my headphones while I'm mowing the grass, and I just thought, I'm just going to play Brian's running playlist. Just a running playlist should have some rock on there, should have some Tyler Childers, some things I can just kind of listen to to pass the hour and a half that it takes. So there is not only the regular Star Wars songs on there, but there's metal versions. And isn't there even like some bluegrass versions? Of, it seems like there's another version of the Star Wars songs. So he doesn't just... Like, listen to them and like, oh, yeah, we're watching this movie and the song is playing. Like, he literally listens to them for entertainment. Oh, I do. I'm He's not going to lie about people. it. He, he is the real deal. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, I am a geek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, here he is the greatest of all time, John Williams, the soundtrack to all of our childhood with the main theme from Star Wars, all Star Wars, but specifically for this purpose, Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back.
speech, but I, you told me last night that you wanted to take a moment to give one one or two honorable mentions. So uh, you go ahead and do that real quick now before we get into your number one. Well, I actually physically deleted it from my list, but the Prince of Egypt, I didn't think I was going to get this opportunity, but the Prince of Egypt is great. And I actually listened to it a lot when I was probably a senior in high school. I listened to the entire soundtrack. Don't ask me to name any of the songs. I can't, but... Whitney Houston's on there. She is on there. I've uh, never even seen the movie, and I've never even listened to the soundtrack, but somehow I know she, she has a song She is on, on there. there. I can't remember the name of the song. In fact, I I probably need to just find that soundtrack and just play it again and take me is back to the John years. on it? I don't think so. I, I'm going to look it up real quick. Keep oh, talking. No. I don't know. What else am I supposed to say? It's an honorable mention. It's just Prince of Egypt. It's a good animated film, too. I mean, that's it. What am I supposed to do to fill this silence? Um, quick. Do it quick, Brian. Um, Steve Martin's on there. Wow. Boys to Men's on yes, there. Yes, Boys to Men. Amy Grant. Yes, Amy Grant. Uh, Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston with, yep. with, the, with the theme. Yeah, I'm never going to listen to this. <laughs> so anyway, what is your number one, Dixie? My number one, sorry, you got me distracted, is Guardians, Guardians uh, spit it out, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 1. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about how we watched this opening weekend. It it was great, and I am not a comic book movie person. I They all seem the exact same to me. There's car chases. There's blowing stuff up. They're, they're all dramatic about stuff. They always land with the fish in the ground. They all, I, oh my goodness. I, I cannot tell you, I cannot tell them apart. That is how just manufactured these things are pumped out. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy was, I thought was going to be exactly like that. So Brian and I, we just kind of started watching it and I thought, well, here we go. It'll be, I'll be asleep a halfway in. But whenever he grabbed the lizard up and used it as a microphone in the very beginning. <laughs> Star-Lord. Yeah, Star-Lord. Uh, he's, he's going through and he's raiding this tomb or whatever it is. And when he goes in and grabs that lizard and uses it as a microphone to sing this song, I thought, hey, now, <laughs> this yeah. is different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'll say this. Uh, you may not believe it, but I've read comic books ever since I could read. You did? That's amazing. <laughs> uh, huge, huge fan of both DC and Marvel. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the one movie in the MCU that I had never read a single comic book from. Huh. So it's the one movie I went in not knowing really anything about the characters and their background. And it is probably my second favorite Marvel film. It's great. I was blown away. And like you... Five minutes in, when Chris Pratt playing Star Lord, Peter Peter Quill, and we love Chris Pratt. Is listening to uh, uh, yeah, we loved him from on the old sea. Yes, as Che. Yeah, we loved him obviously as Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Shout out Burke Macklin, FBI. <laughs> but when he puts on his Walkman, hits play on a cassette, and this song that you're going to choose starts playing, and he just grabs a alien like lizard up. Yeah. squeezes it and sings it into it like a microphone lip singing to this song i was like damn straight this is going to be a fantastic yes. film and it was yes and i already knew this song i heard this song so much it is a classic but now i cannot hear the song without thinking of that scene and it's come and get your love yes so here we go her number one favorite soundtrack of all time i must have done something right because it's <laughs> from a marvel movie yep dixie go ahead and introduce it for us one last time 
This is Come and Get Your Love. get to my number one thank you dixie for joining the show again oh. uh, you're always my favorite guest host thank you for having me and you are very popular among our listeners they actually i have no idea why i don't either but <laughs> for, somehow you are uh some of the shows you've been part of uh, are the most listened to I'm pretty sure it's a topic it's not and uh, no they really really enjoy you i've had people write on several occasions after Aww. we do a show together saying hey when you gonna have dixie back on oh so don't well, let it go to your head well it's too late <laughs> <laughs> i'll do a quick honorable mention which is magnolia a soundtrack exclusively but pretty much by amy mann which is a, a paul thomas anderson film uh and from 1999 and a movie that i really love i know that a couple loyal listeners to the show uh and a former guest of the show chase Abner and charles hurl love this film as well we need a re-record on that thing and uh, uh that was uh, one mile one honorable mention but we'll go ahead and get to my number one and if you've been listening you know that i held my thoughts on a movie that was dixie's number two mm-hmm. oh brother where art thou which to me is the greatest soundtrack of all time for several reasons. Number one, it took, and it's shout out not just to the Coen brothers, but T-Bone Burnett, who produced and put together this soundtrack. That one album of the year at the Grammys. A That's soundtrack crazy. never does that. And it led to a sold out arena tour featuring Allison Krauss. Ralph freaking Stanley. Who you've met, by the way. I have met several times, but that's beside the point. I ain't trying to name <laughs> I think drop. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and other folks that was featured on this. This soundtrack, if you wasn't around when this movie came out, it blew up. And it ingrained bluegrass and traditional folk music to mainstream music consciousness like any other album has ever did before or since. So for that reason alone, turning folks on to this genre, that's the first time I've said that word this episode, that's Lee good. Think, <laughs> is worth is well enough to have it my number one choice. But besides that, it's just a fantastic soundtrack. There's so many scenes that I immediately think of if I hear some of these songs. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the, the first performance of uh, Man of Constant Sorrow when they're recording in the studio for that blind fella. <laughs> and they lie to him and say that they've got a, another member so they can get an extra 10 bucks. <laughs> Uh, like you said, keep on the sunny side. Mm -hmm. With uh, Old Death at the Ku Klux Klan rally, sung by Ralph Stanley acapella, which is very haunting. It is. Uh, the Stanley Brothers with Angel Band, my all-time favorite traditional gospel song. 
the one song that I won't play at my funeral. I thought you said you weren't having a funeral. Well, at my... uh, You're going to have a funeral just to play that song. No, at my my ceremony when they spread my ashes. Okay. But besides that, my favorite scene in the film is when they are walking along the river and they see some churchgoers singing down to the river to pray a cappella. And they follow them and they're having an old school river baptism. And I myself was baptized in a river here in eastern Kentucky uh, back in the day. And Allison Krauss sings this song a cappella, and it is beautiful. But it is also, to me, the funniest scene in the entire movie because Delmar, played by Tim Blake Nelson, decides he wants to be baptized. So he runs in during this, this song and gets baptized. And he comes out and says, hey, boys, come on in. The water's fine. That preacher there just washed away all my sins, including that Piggly Wiggly I robbed. And his two buddies said, well, we thought you was innocent from that uh, crime. He said, well, I lied, but the preacher done forgive me of that too. <laughs> and that, that along with just so many other lines of dialogue from this movie is great. I know you talked about it briefly earlier. It's a movie that you and I have watched together several times mm-hmm. uh, and still do from occasion. We quote from it a yes. lot. <laughs> and uh, I'll let Allison Krauss sing us out today with my favorite movie soundtrack of all time. Here she is with her take, a beautiful take on the traditional song Down to the River to Pray from the Coen Brothers' masterpiece, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Thanks for listening. Thank you. And we will see you next time. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, the starry crown. That one show with Brian Combs is brought to you by Thatcher Barbecue Company and is written, produced, and recorded by me, Brian Combs. You can look me up on social media, on Twitter, at that one show BC, on Instagram, at that one show with Brian Combs, on Facebook, at that one show podcast, and on Patreon, at that one show. So go follow us along on any of those sites, and please subscribe 
on iTunes or Spotify, whichever you prefer. And finally, if you are enjoying this show, I ask from the bottom of my heart that you recommend it to at least one other person with whom you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, this has been That One Show with Brian Combs.